This show was first broadcast on Free FM, Hamilton, New Zealand's community access media organisation. For more information on our lineup of shows and the role we play in the media, visit freefm.org.nz. Hear more from Free FM. For a small monthly fee, you can become a patron and support independent community media. Go to patreon.com slash freefm89 to find out how. We've got Tim McIndoe. Good morning, Tim. <laughs> Good morning, Brian. Do you want me to sing? <laughs> <laughs> it's been quite a while since we've been able to do this, it, it, it of course. It certainly has. I, I don't know whether I should give you a, a quick round of we'll meet again. <laughs> oh, what a beautiful morning. It is a beautiful morning. All those things is, indeed. And it's lovely um, to be here with you in the studio after such a long time. Well... Yes, it's uh, since 23rd of May uh, of March was the last time I was on, all so right. uh, with you, and right. um, then it all uh, all turned to custard thereafter. Of course, uh, we've got this COVID-19 alert level two. Uh, what are your thoughts on going ahead with that at this stage? Uh, we in the National Party were very anxious to ensure that we could get into level two as quickly as possible. Right. Obviously, there's been a very important balancing act uh, to be maintained to ensure that we do uh, secure the gains that we've had from a public Mm. health perspective. And could I just say to everybody listening, I realise it's been a very, very tough time uh, under lockdown. We've all had to learn to live quite differently. But let's uh, congratulate one another on what we've achieved as a nation in we, we haven't beaten COVID yet but uh, we are definitely one of the countries that has done extremely well mm. from a, a public health perspective but there's of course a huge trade-off and that has been the economic cost yes, of what we've all that. done mm. and right around the world everybody has suffered when I say everybody has suffered, uh, every country has suffered. Yes. And we will see the effects of this for decades to come. And that's not an exaggeration. Right. This is something of um, unprecedented uh, experience. I'm sorry to use that word unprecedented because we've heard it so much recently, but clearly the cost for small businesses, for those who are self-employed, for those who are now either unemployed or facing the very real prospect of becoming unemployed for those who were hoping to return to the workforce for one reason or another and will now find that very challenging and for many others particularly in the farming sector this has been a very very difficult time obviously in the tourism industry uh, in the airlines and I still haven't been able to fly out of Hamilton because there are no flights I think they're being uh, restored this week but for a host of reasons this has been incredibly challenging. That's why we need to get back to level two and preferably even move further forward without jeopardising what we've gained in reaching a point where there is almost no community transmission of this particular virus. But as we have seen last week, there were one or two every few days. Yep. And um, that, that is a threat that remains with us for some time and will have a particular impact on people wanting to come into New Zealand because we'll obviously need to secure yeah. our borders as much yeah. as we can to ensure we don't import the virus from overseas. A lot of the ones have either come in from overseas or been related to uh, rest homes. Uh, I haven't heard of anybody in the street, as it were, in Hamilton who's had it. Well, well maybe, but I haven't heard it. It's certainly true that we had uh, one particular rest home in our area that unfortunately did get hit by it quite 
badly and then became known as one of the clusters. We also had the, the bar cluster out in Matamata. Yes. Uh, so two significant clusters in our region. You're right. Uh, it is something that has largely centred around some of those institutions. Um, I think the youngest person to die in New Zealand has been a person in his or her 60s and obviously many of those of the 21 who've died were in their 70s, 80s and even in their 90s mm. and were rest home residents. That's why it's particularly important to continue to maintain the strictest of standards that we can in those institutions. My own mother lives in a rest home and I was very pleased to be able to visit her at last on Saturday morning, having not seen her right. for two months. And naturally, the um, the rest home were taking all the appropriate steps of keeping us outside. Only a few allowed in. We had to go by appointment. Once I was in, I had to sign all yep. my details to go through the hand sanitizing put the mask on and then once i got up to be with my mother we were confined to the space where she is so that we had minimal contact with anybody else while oh, i was there and that's all yeah. as it's going to have to be because older people particularly those who are in care facilities as my mother is are at particular risk they are vulnerable and we want to do everything we can to protect them from mm. it Yes, there's always uh, the uh, concern of where it came from. Uh, China's worn the blame mainly, and those uh, wet markets, as they called them, uh, did look rather suspicious to me. Well, th th I don't think there's any question that this is where the virus originated, yep. from the Wuhan province in, in China. But yep. having said that, uh, I'm not a able to comment on exactly no. what may have happened from that point, uh, I guess we one of the things that we'll, we'll have to learn from this is to ensure that if ever there's any threat of something of that type, that not only the World Health Authority but the United Nations are able to inform all nations mm. exactly what they think has been happening mm. and what steps should be taken. We'll obviously, as a nation, be reviewing the whole uh, ex experience and upgrading our pandemic planning mm. Mm. to ensure that uh, things that could have been done better in the future are done better. Um, broadly speaking, um, we've tried not to be political about this, but we would have to acknowledge the fact that some things were too slow. We were right. too slow in instigating the proper checks through our borders of people coming in from the country, and the majority of cases initially yep. clearly came in from overseas. The testing regime, the PPE provision and so forth, all could be improved and... Um, We'll hear more about that as we go through this review process. But right. by and large, we, I don't know whether I want to say dodged a bullet, but we've certainly managed to, to fare pretty well by comparison with to many other nations. Yes. However, now the focus has got to be on maintaining those gains while not not having just saved lives, but saving livelihoods. Yes. Because it's, it's, it's <clears throat> the livelihoods aspect now that I think is the primary focus and... This is costing us an absolute fortune, and it's not money mm. that we put aside for a rainy day. Some of it is, but yep. a lot of it is going to be borrowed money, huge escalation in public debt, right. and ultimately that means every taxpayer will be paying. And if I can just give you one figure to help you, the debt equates to $80,000 per household Good in Lord. New Zealand. That is huge. Yep. Um, it makes the global financial crisis and the impact of the... Um, Canterbury earthquakes may seem like small change. Yes, so indeed. We, we've got to try to do everything we can to ensure that we can restore 
as much normal work, trading activity, primary production and so forth without jeopardising what we've gained in the process. Right. So we're likely, in any way, at this time of the year, it seems to me it could be the end of the year before we really feel we're out of it. I think so, because obviously the mornings are getting colder, we're coming into winter, although what a stunning autumn we've had. Yes. Unbelievably good, and thank goodness for that, because it would have been ghastly going through the lockdown if every day had been miserable. At least people could get out and go for walks. Yes. Um, But inevitably, we're now going to come up to the height of the flu season, and there are always more vulnerabilities for people with respiratory conditions and underlying health uh, issues Mm. during the winter months. So, as you say, it... We're not out of it yet, and we're still in level two. We hope that we'll be able to move to level one fairly quickly. There are a whole lot of inconsistencies about level two that I think are a bit of a worry. Yes. Uh, such as, and you would know this, um, the the absurdity, and I do think it is an absurdity, about the, the strict rules on church worship, while at the same time schools are back and contact sports yeah. are going to resume and all yeah. the rest of it. I argued very strongly in Parliament. In fact, last last week I think I made nine speeches over three days in Parliament, which was a lot for one individual member. But I was actively involved in one insidious bill, the Public Health Response COVID-19 bill, which the government was pushing through, which we fought tooth and nail. And I'm the the Shadow Attorney General, so I was leading the charge for National on that. And then the the budget itself and some of the post-budget stuff meant that I spoke frequently and it took I think at least four different opportunities to push the government as hard as I could to relent on this thoroughly unreasonable provision to do with worship not just in Christian churches but obviously synagogues, mosques, Buddhist temples, Sikh, Hindu temples, you name it, in any place of worship they're all affected by it because it just doesn't make sense and in the case of funerals and tangihanga was utterly heartless and fortunately we got a win there, they did back down so that they were insisting for a long time on keeping it to 10 people at a funeral we couldn't see they have now relented and made it 50 but it's still 10 for other services of worship yes and that would include a wedding for instance yes so um we don't think that that is logical and if the rules aren't logical and can't be seen to be fair then that's what engenders contempt for the law and we don't want to see that happen no Most people, I think, have been wonderful in the way that they've respected what we need to do. They've observed their social distancing. They've accepted with good grace the restrictions, the severe restrictions on their lives. But Mm -hmm. they they do expect the law to make sense, and they do expect the rules to be fair and logical. Yep. Uh, New Zealand, Australia, coming under a similar bubble, is that Mm. a a good good idea? Well, um, (coughs) excuse me. You haven't got it? Have I, no, I haven't got it. No, <laughs> I promise. I, I think you're just talking too much. I'm not used to talking on air, Brian. Oh, <laughs> um, right. the, 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 the prospect of a trans-Tasman bubble is very attractive for a whole host of reasons. Yep. It's one of the places New Zealand is most like to visit, and the more people we can attract from Australia, the better it's going to be for the resurrection, if I can use that term, of our tourist industry. Yeah, that's a big one. Uh, many New Zealanders obviously have family in Australia, so they want to be able to be with them. I, I do. Just about everybody I know has some extended family yep. members in, in Australia, so we want to be able to, to see them. And Australia has had a very similar sort of experience in, in the incidence, both of cases and the very small number of mm. deaths they've had by proportion. Their, their population is roughly five times the size mm. of ours, so... Their figures are comparable. They've done it in a slightly different way, but there's much in common. So, yes, that is something we are looking 
to, uh, and I'm in opposition, I'm not part of the, oh, the no, decision-making process no. here, but it is definitely something we are looking to try to support and see happen as quickly as possible, but we need to have the right assurances in place that it's not going to lead to a huge increase. Right. I think what we probably have to expect is that at least in the short term, we'll start to see the number of cases rise again for a little while. Now, not dramatically, no. but just as we ease restrictions and there's much greater contact, and you only need to go outside now to see that people are back at the cafes. They're, yeah. they're, they're at times observing the physical distancing where they can, but we've also seen instances of huge crowds where mm. it's almost impossible. I mean, yeah. how do you... I've seen the TV coverage of people going for a walk along the Auckland waterfront oh, right. a few yes, days ago. And right. There were so many people there. How could yeah. they possibly observe physical distancing exactly. unless they learned to fly? Yeah. So, you know, it's going to be challenging, and inevitably that could lead to one or two additional cases, plus with uh, many institutions and people back at work, etc. But I would hope that if we're taking the sensible precautions, and we're all pretty familiar with them now, that it would be manageable yep. um, and that over time we'd st start to see it come down again. I hope I'm proved wrong and that there's no increase in the case at all, but you'd have to say that that's probable given that we're now in level two with much greater freedom than yeah. we've had while we were effectively all in lockdown that's or close right. to lockdown, which Pretty close anyway, was yes. as well. And the other thing I was going to ask you about is the effect on farming and exports. That should not be... Um, too, too badly hit? Well, I was talking to somebody who works in the dairy industry on Saturday saying people don't actually realise just how tough this has been for the dairy okay. industry. Um, and I dare say that's a story that will emerge over the, the weeks and months ahead. But on the other hand, New Zealand has always enjoyed a reputation internationally for food safety and producing food of very high quality that is affordable. And that, you would hope, would give us a very strong advantage at yep. uh, I mean I think that our primary producers particularly farmers but also in other sectors viticulturalists foresters um, fisheries you name it I think that that is going to be a big part of our recovery yep. after all it's a huge part of the economy tourism and, and primary production yes. have been the two mainstays of our economy for some time tourism is obviously taking an enormous hit we hope it'll recover in time but in the meantime primary production farmers will lead the way good on them let's yep. hope that people stop making some of the sillier criticisms that they've made of farmers and realize just how lucky we are yeah with the farming uh and with the primary production that we enjoy in this country because boy we need them to be selling their goods overseas we need that export income yep. and uh let's do everything we can to help them Yep, but it's going to take a long recovery uh, there on the economy. There could be a change of government in September. And uh, I was going to ask you, is September 19th too soon for an election in the midst of all this? Well, if you'd asked me that a couple of months ago, I'd have said I didn't think it would, would be possible to have an election in September. But and since we have come into level two, yep. uh, it looks the government's not giving any indication of changing their mind on that, even though Winston Peters was very public yeah. as the Deputy Prime Minister in saying he wants to push it back to November the 21st. <laughs> There's been no hint of that happening. Right. And I think um, it looks now as if we are going to stick with the 19th of September. The Prime Minister could surprise us and come out and announce the change of date yep. because she has the ability to do that. She can't push it back too far because... 
um, an election is still required to be held within three three years and two months of the last right. one, which was in September 2017. Yes. But I think we have to work on the assumption that it is the 19th of September, and yep. I think today is the 18th of May. Is that right? That's the right. Of, yep. So... June, July, August, September. We're four months and one day away from an election. <laughs> and uh, you can expect parties to be campaigning in full strength. You're right. There could be a change of government in that time. I certainly hope there will be because <laughs> I'll be campaigning for a national-led government. Absolutely. Uh, but we know it's going to be tough and we know that uh, the sort of things that we've traditionally campaigned on and the methods of campaigning are both going to be markedly altered yes now, i say that because at the moment you can't just go out and knock on people's doors they don't want people they don't want a candidate knocking on their door at the moment right. while you know and what are we going to do is turn up in full masks and ppe so <laughs> trying to engage with the public in yeah. that way is different um but also the issues are different and You'll have seen that there was a budget last Thursday. Yeah, uh, yeah. You imagine any previous interview over the last 12 years, Brian, when we've got this far into the interview and we haven't even mentioned that last week was budget <laughs> week, but it just shows. Well, that's the way it is, yeah. just shows how things are mm. different. And um, to be fair, what a challenging budget that would have been to put together because they'd have made yeah. most of their budget decisions before the, the coronavirus even became an issue and then all of that would have gone out the window and they'd mm. have had to start again. The difficulty we have with the budget that was released last week is that it's just like playing Monopoly, frankly, and we're, we're told that we're borrowing billions of dollars, that about $50 billion in expenditure is planned, $20 billion of that is being tucked aside just to come out later. Our real worry is that you're going to be bribed in this election campaign, and it's not even with your own money, it's with money that we're borrowing from mm, overseas right. and which your grandchildren are going to have to pay for. Um, I am critical of the budget last week. There wasn't much emphasis on the plan for recovery and in particular the plan for creating jobs right. and investing in the ways that are going to grow the economy that we need. Yep. But I am also sympathetic to the fact that that would have been one of the most difficult budgets of all time to put together. And in, in some ways it was more just an economic update, yeah. but with huge um, figures being touted. That's what I thought. I thought, goodness gracious me, where does all this money come from? And I think most people, it's sort of washed over them because they think, well, this doesn't even make sense. Mm. And and it didn't. And it's very light in detail, which is sort of understandable, but also means that the campaign is going to be hugely important because effectively what you'll have is the two main parties laying out their different economic approaches to how do we um, rein things back in and get the balance right. Um, and obviously the minor parties are all going to be chipping in saying, well, if they can allocate $5 billion here, we'll, 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 we'll promise $5 billion on this. Yes. And, and that'll just become a lolly scramble, and it's a totally unrealistic lolly scramble, and I hope people will see through it and look at which party has the best team and the best plan for turning this country around. Now, I would suggest as a national MP that we have a proven track record in that. Yep. We did it through the global financial crisis. We did it after the Canterbury earthquakes. And we'll do it again, and mm. I hope we'll get that opportunity. Yeah, well, that's going to be the big one, isn't it? And uh, with with it goes ahead. I watched something on television last night, and they were talking about a second wave, and being even worse than the first one of this um, um, COVID nineteen. Mm. Now, if if in fact that happened, that would almost have a devastating, constant, devastating effect for many years. Yes, it would. And I didn't see the program you're referring to. Was it? A, a, so I think a it was on T ones. Right. I, I didn't watch. Uh, might, might have been the Sunday program. I think. Right. I, I didn't see it, but 
we're starting to hear um, some disturbing stories about a, a different strain that is particularly affecting children in some countries that, uh, and it's a, sort of a mm. traumatic shock type um, illness has been the term I heard and then there's been talk of Kawasaki disease now I'm not an epidemiologist I, I don't no. have any medical expertise and I wouldn't want to alarm people but effectively viruses mutate and so we've seen over the last 15 or 20 years yep. um, Asian flu and SARS and various other things so this was another one but a particularly challenging one because of the way the COVID-19 virus um, attacks the cells and, mm. and and if it mutates into something else then what we obviously need is um, effective vaccines now vaccines can't um, deal with all issues um, because if they're changing constantly mm. you've, you've got to try to keep up with them but obviously right around the world including here in New Zealand a lot of work is going into developing an effective COVID vaccine and it can't come soon enough. I saw something that implied uh, good progress was showing that testing on monkeys who have very similar DNA to humans was showing very encouraging results. That will be good. But coming back to your question, yeah, if it goes off in a different direction, that uh, could, I guess, mean that uh, we have another significant problem looming and boy, the social and economic consequences of that could be devastating. Yeah. But let's not be unduly pessimistic. We've been through crises before. This was yep. a particularly demanding one. We will get through this. We have to ensure that as um, not just as a country but as a, an international community mm. we do everything we can to act responsibly to develop the, the science and the vaccines needed to help us stay on top of it, follow the rules that are being given to us for everybody's yep. protection and um, I'm not so um, much of a um, a doom monger that I believe that all is all is lost. Quite the opposite. I do firmly believe that we c we can get back to something very close to normality in the foreseeable future, as long as we're all sensible about the way we we conduct our own lives, conduct our own business activities, our own learning, etc. Yep. And and look out for one another. Absolutely. Can I on that uh, note? Uh wind us up yes indeed things to do I, I think you wound me up about 20 minutes ago <laughs> <laughs> it was lovely to have you in Tim and we'll look forward to having you in in two weeks time if you can put it in your diary I will do that it's great to be back on the air thank you for the invitation to resume the show could I just say thank you to everybody listening for the way in which you have coped the way in which you have supported one another I think we've seen the best of the Kiwi spirit yep. I've been so proud of the way our community has responded I was going to mention very quickly that I ran an art competition for primary and intermediate school children to be able to thank our essential right. workers. They did a wonderful job. Some of the pictures have been published in the Waikato Times and more will be in the next few days, I think. Um, that was lovely and I was so thrilled to see the way the children got in. But thank you to all the essential workers who yep. kept going right through the very challenging days. Thanks to those yep. who worked at home. Thanks to everybody. We've all played a part in achieving the progress we have and now let's um, stay the course, get there, but also get back to business as yep. much as we can to help rebuild this wonderful country because, boy, it's been tough, but we're so lucky to live here. Thanks for listening to this Free FM podcast. If you want to hear more content like this, you can support Free FM via Patreon. Head to patreon.com slash freefm89 to find out more.